today is my final day in Kolkata, and I'm sitting outside under a palm weave thatched roof thing, meaning that I'm in the shade. That's the important bit. And I'm at a cafe called Blue Tokai, which makes me think back to Philip Pullman's *The Northern Lights*, and I believe it's Tokai that is poisoned or has poison put in it, which is meant for Lord Azrael. But the story behind the name of this place is given away by the symbol, and it is of a stylized peacock. And its body and tail are made out of these kind of elongated droplets, and the word tokai is the Malabari word for the tail of a peacock. So this is the blue tail of the peacock, and the coffee here is fantastic. But perhaps even better than the coffee is the colour of the coffee cups. It is the most gorgeous turquoise, and I'm a complete sucker for anything turquoise. So I'm very happy. To be spending my last few hours of daylight in the shade in Kolkata, telling you a story, and、um, this is a story that happened yesterday. It is again kind of quite a small little incident of what happened in India, but I think it's a, a different story because it highlights some of the ways that India is really great, and I'm aware that in my Some of the stories over the last few weeks, there have been, well, some some ones that pick up on some of the more difficult sides of life that I've experienced in India. But this one's different. Now, yesterday, early morning, I went to the big play fields、uh, in the centre of Kolkata. It's called Maidan. And actually, even this is very interesting. It's probably about、um, ooh, two hundred acres, I would say, of land—a very significant chunk of green space. I'd say it would take me about twenty、mm, twenty-five minutes to run a perimeter around the whole thing. There's a significant amount of green space in the centre of the city that is, in fact, owned by the army, and Fort William borders this. Big area, so it's in some ways it's a bit like Hyde Park, though probably a third of the size, with the Royal Mounted Cavalry next door. But what's interesting here is that the army still owns Maidan, this green parkland space that every morning and every evening and every lunchtime you'll see people playing cricket, having picnics, selling charts, eating ice creams. There'll be some horses around. But the interesting thing about it is that it's owned by the army, and that means that they are very keen that no one builds anything permanent on it. And in order to ensure that no one gets too comfortable on this area, and there are lots of sports clubs. There are these clubs that are, date back a hundred years: the the Parsi Sports Club, the Ranger Sports Club.、And、these were places where British officers would hang out, where. Different parts of Indian society that each would have their own club. These have been going on for, yeah,、uh, over a hundred years, but the buildings themselves are still quite ramshackle and temporary. And the reason for that is because the army owns the ground and doesn't want anyone to get too comfortable there. They force all these places to close for two weeks every year in October. 
simply to show that they are in control and people are living or built on borrowed borrowed territory. Anyway, that is a complete diversion from today's story, but it is a bit of an interesting background, I think, to the largest green space in a city in India that I know of. And we were playing, I joined the guys at Kello Rugby for an early morning training session. And the previous day, the Sunny, who I'd cycled with, Gotham, who had cycled with, they did some maintenance work on the bike and they brought the bike up to the pitch. And we had our rugby game, played some touch rugby. I made some absolute clangers, dropped balls, missed catches, people ran around circles, all of that good stuff. But it was a lot of fun. And then after that, it was my time to shine and give some people a go on the tandem riding around the rugby field. And to start with, I had Paul Walsh, and he's the guy who founded Kello Rugby. He's been in Kolkata for 20 years. He's had an enormous impact on the lives of a lot of boys. And many of them are still part of the program now as rugby coaches, as youth leaders, which I think is amazing to see how sustainable Paul has created it. Anyway, so Paul, um, I invite Paul to join me on the back of the tandem and we do a loop of the rugby pitch and then we go for a second one. And then I feel in the bike it uh, grating along the ground and the sensation completely changed and each bump feels a lot harder. And I realize we have a flat tire. And um, I obviously immediately say to Paul that uh, you've, uh, you know... Um, Need need to lay off the pies a bit because uh, it's it's flat tire time. However, it was nothing to do with Paul. There's a little pinch in the the inner tube and we'd got a flat tire. And I was pretty frustrated about that because we spent about 45 minutes replacing the inner tube, putting a new one in, then accidentally nicking it uh, with the tire spanner. So we put a puncture in the second one. And then when we put the original one back in, the tire patch didn't hold. So basically we were by the side of the rugby pitch for an hour with all my tires with holes in and unable to fix them. So I wasn't in the best of moods. I was also very aware that in two days, tomorrow that is, I will be cycling off from Kolkata and heading towards Bangladesh. So this is the last thing I felt like I needed. However, it was a blessing in disguise. Because as I was looking at the rim, trying to fit this new inner tube in, I saw at the base of the spoke, this crack in the rim that went about a centimeter either side of where the spoke meets the rim. So you've got this big hairline crack and I saw it in two or three other places. This is a huge, huge problem because I probably would have ridden another 50 to 100 kilometers on that wheel before it disintegrated on me. And that had happened before. So when I was in Turkey, the rim split and I had to stop exactly where we broke down we had to put the bike into a hostel we had to go back to Ankara to get the repairs done so it's a big big inconvenience so seeing that this rim was broken was a bit of a heads up and an early warning 
But then there was still the question of what do we do about it? I'm in Kolkata. I need a specialist rim with 36 holes in it. And I'm setting off in two days. And I'm on a rugby pitch. Like, how on earth are we going to solve this problem? Now, Sunny, with his maturity well beyond his 22 years, was very calm. And he was like, well, I'll just give my friend a call. I was like, Sonny, you can't just call your friend about this. We've got a specialist piece that we need to find. It's not just any old bit. You know, we can't just go to some mate of yours. I was like, no, no, like, I'll just give my friend a call. I was like, fine, you, you do that. Uh, and to be fair, I trusted Sonny because uh, he he delivers. He, he always delivers on, and he's a lot of good ideas and a lot of common sense. And he said, okay, we'll go over to my mates and he's got an idea. We can sort it out. So I then am faced with the problem of how do we get the bike over from this sports centre to another part of Kolkata. And again, it turns out that Sonny had an idea and Paul and they said, well, let's just use the minivan. So 15 minutes later, I've got my legs dangling out the back of the minivan, weaving through Kolkata traffic. And I'm hanging on to Chris, Chris's frame, which has been slotted through the van, kind of for dear life, as we go over bumps, we whiz around corners, and enjoying how easy some things are in India, that you can just crack on with it when common sense takes a hold. We stuff the bike in, I stuff myself in the back, and we go to Sunny's friend. And we meet Rito in a suburb of... Kolkata. It's actually only about three miles away from where we were. But oddly enough, it doesn't look like a bike shop. It's just a residential building over three stories. There's a sign out the front saying, oh, such and such a family live here. And I think, well, where's the bike shop, Sunny? And plus, it's all like closed. All the doors are closed. Uh, It looks like a bit of a lost cause. But of course, Sonny knows how things work here. He gives Rito a ring. He says, mate, we're here. The door opens and Rito comes out and he's this young guy, probably 23, 24, black, uh, black frame glasses, black rim glasses and really nice sort of gentle expression on his face. And he says, oh, right. You're the guys with the problem and the broken rims like come in. And we go into the bike shop with Chris and I begin to immediately see that this isn't just any old bike shop. We go into the workshop and there are box upon box of these long brown cardboard boxes that look a bit like they're for wands, but actually they're for spokes. And on another wall, there's just tool upon tool upon tool for wrenching, for screwing, for chain whipping all sorts of different things and then in the center there's a bike stand and Rito kind of has a look at the bike and he goes ah oh you got a roll-off gear and I'm a bit dumbfounded because I haven't met someone who knows what gears I have since Turkey I think so this guy Rito clearly knew his stuff and he says yeah well I built a couple of bikes with with roll-off gears that actually we used like a special drive chain for it oh and by the way you know we've actually built a few 
few tandems ourselves. So at this point, I realise we haven't just come to any old bike shop. We have come to Rito, who knows bikes and bike maintenance inside out. And I think there's a pattern to all of these people who are just brilliant bike mechanics. And that's they love the problem. They love the challenge of solving something. And Sinan, who I cycled with in Turkey for a few days, who helped me use a dentist drill to excavate some snap bolts. He was exactly the same. He saw bike maintenance as a, as a challenge that he just loved. And I incidentally hate. So I was very happy to find someone who said, oh yeah, we can do this. We sort the rims. Look, I've got this mountain biking rim. It's super strong. It's got reinforced nipples. Um, just come back in the evening and everything will be fine. And I almost couldn't believe it. And he said, yeah, we're good. Just just crack on. And so I, I left. I came back. And when I came back in the evening, about five hours later, the bike was in pristine condition. They had tightened up the brakes. They'd sorted out the disc rotors. They'd cleaned the chain. And they had replaced my rear rim. So against the odds... I'd gone from in the morning thinking I'm not going to be able to go to Bangladesh on Monday because I'm never going to find a rim to in that evening having the bike in better condition than it had been in in months with a rim and ready to go. And all of this happened in such a short period of time and like we didn't have to go miles and miles out of Kolkata. It was literally right in the center. So some things in India are so much more straightforward and so much easier. Now, this morning I had a ride with a group called uh, Cycle Network Growth, or Cycle Network Grow, which is a community of cyclists here in Kolkata. And we were going to meet early in the morning. So I was really excited to go and, and meet them. So you can imagine how excited I was to go to find my bike in the morning in pristine condition, everything working smoothly. But when I got there, I saw the front tyre had a flat and this had been the one that I had changed the previous day and I think it was just a little humbling moment that goes to show that you know sometimes I come to India or sometimes in India I think oh I just know better than everyone else like this this country doesn't work it doesn't make sense but it was a nice little reminder that actually that's not true there are people who know what they're doing much, much better than me. And sometimes it's best for me to simply watch and learn and be grateful that I'm surrounded by some very talented people who have their own wonderful way of doing things. I don't know.